The Tar Heels needed Armando Baycott to show up in a big way, and boy did he deliver. Round one to the Tar Heels, live reaction show me, Pat Kilby, let's go! You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Isaac Shade. It's Coach Pat Kilby coming to you live about 15 minutes after Carolina's 93-84 defeat over Duke. And boy, what a difference does a game make how we felt after the Georgia Tech game versus how we feel after this one. Pack North Carolina wins. They build back that two-game cushion in the ACC standings. Get a little bit of a, a tiebreaker edge over Duke, although obviously we'll see more what happens after the second game to wrap up the regular season. Love to see that. 49th all-time top 10 meeting between these two teams. Pack it was literally split down the middle before tonight. Each had won 24 of those. No longer is it tied because the Tar Heels have won 25 of those 49. Great stuff. Folks, we're getting right into it. Come on in. Drop your questions and your comments in the live chat if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening back later, we're so glad you're here as well. We're going to talk about some things, uh, about four things, four observations. We'll have an ad read, about four more observations, and then we're going to get to your questions and comments in the live chat. Pack, you ready to get after this thing? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. My man, there is nowhere else we can start as we talk about this game than the front court. I know that RJ Davis, we give him so much love all season long, but this game and this dominance belonged to two men that held it down for Carolina in the front court in the form of Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram, both of whom got 20 and 10 double-doubles, the first pair of Carolina teammates to do so since two guys named Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter in the 1998 season pack. We are riding high. This is ridiculous. Let's talk about this front court. What did you see from Armando and Harrison? Well, from Armando, I saw we just tried to establish his presence so early. I mean, that was clear that that was the game plan, so credit to Coach Davis for that. And then Harrison, man, he just got unconscious. And he got where he wasn't missing anything. But I'll tell you what, the, the thing that stood out for me with him, not just his shooting, but the energy and effort plays he made tonight. You know, the loose ball he had that he ended up scooping up and kicking out that led to a Cormac three in the left corner there. I mean, just that stuff right there. Those okay, are can I stop you right there? Him getting up and out-rebounding out that over everyone? And then still fighting for it on the ground and get, I mean, that might've been the play of the game for in a game of plays that I stood up off my couch and yelled and probably scared half my neighborhood. Oh, I, I bruised my chest. I hit it so hard. I think, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that just sums up who he is though. Right. I mean, he's just an ultimate competitor and ultimate teammate willing to lay it on the line. And boy, did he do it tonight. And, you know, back to Armando, just the physicality he played with it, um, it's Armando's always been Armando. I know we've had some concerns and some different things the last few games, but he answered those tonight uh, very clearly. He's still Armando. He's still uh, one of the top big men in the country. And man, he just put it all on display for us. I tell you, you are absolutely right. And while Pac was talking, for those who are watching this, I've pulled the box score up so you can see it. But let me give you exactly what these guys did from a number standpoint for Armando. 
25 points pack that ties his season high. He hadn't been at 20 points since, um, I, gosh, I had it pulled up earlier, but he did it like the first three games of the season and then hadn't done it since some other point in non-con. So that's great. 10 of 13 shooting for Armando, insanely efficient, five of seven at the free throw line, 10 rebounds, four of which were offensive, five assists for Mondo. We'll get to that soon enough. Um, and then for Harrison, 21 points. That is a North Carolina high for him on eight of 12 shooting himself. So here's a big part of it is the efficiency for these two guys. 18 of 25 from the field pack. Harrison goes five of nine from three. Are you kidding me? 13 rebounds, two of which were offensive, four steals, a block, and an assist. I mean, that is dominating a game. I Like those kind of lines, you just don't see very often. No, I mean, they they absolutely dominated it from start to finish. And this goes back to what we've been talking about is this, with this team, Duke made it clear they they were going to try to stop or slow down RJ Davis. Yeah. But the thing is, you got to pick your poison with this team. And they chose to slow RJ down, which he still had 17, I might add. Uh, <laughs> but 14 and, uh, excuse me, 13 in the second half. Yes. Yep. And, you know, so they chose to try to slow him down. And lo and behold, here comes Harrison. Here comes Armando doing exactly what they, you know, what they can do. And, uh, Man, it just opened up so much for us, and those guys took advantage of it. And, I mean, I'm just – Harrison, man, just what he did from the three-point line. Uh, I, I can honestly say I didn't expect that. I mean, we all know he can shoot it, but five of nine from the three-point line, that's just – Silly. I think silly's the word you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Pat, let's move to our second thing because we could dwell on Armando and Harrison all night long. Uh, the second thing we want to talk about is Carolina's defense. Pack, it was clear to me from the outside of this game two things. Let me share them with you, and then you unpack your thoughts on it. Number one, Carolina, we talked about this a lot this weekend, but has given up over a point per possession on four of their last five games. Now, to be fair, Duke did that again tonight. But the activity that Carolina played with, their connectedness on defense, their ability to get up into defenders, their ability to keep verticality, like just everything they needed to do defensively was there. The second thing I want to mention with the defense in particular was it was also clear from the outset that not only was Duke trying to limit RJ offensively, but they wanted to involve Armando Baycott in as much pick and roll action as they could, make him move, make him defend. And I'll tell you what, he did that over and over again. Can I give you a specific example, Pac? Absolutely. Let me Do you remember what happened at the end of the Georgia Tech game, their essential game-winning bucket? Yep. What was it? Well, they they forced the switch, right, on the, to Armando. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah and attacked With that. With Nathan George. Yep. Nathan George gets that. To be fair, I thought Armando did a decent job staying with him, but he got a nice, difficult layup over top of Armando. What happened at the end of the first half tonight? Oh, man, testing my memory here. Uh, they forced the switch, and Armando got a, a piece the, of the shot. He ended That's up exactly up. right. That's exactly what happened. Almost the identical scenario from the end of the Georgia Tech game. Armando got switched. I can't remember. It was either McCain or Proctor. Forgive me, I can't remember which. He did another good job of staying with it, sliding his feet, even got up into it a little bit. And I think he got a piece of it because it was an air ball. Flip caught the rebound, and uh, Carolina muddied it up a little bit underneath the basket, and Flip couldn't get it back up. 
that to me, like that to me is just a microcosm of a difference from Tuesday night's engagement to tonight's engagement. Talk about the defense pack. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well, but I'll also add there were periods of time um, coming out of media timeouts and such that the coaching staff had switched our defense up and yep. we weren't switching as much. And then we would come out of the next media timeout and we would switch everything. And we just mixed our coverages up some. And I thought that it was really a great job um, of their of our game plan because it, it really rattled Duke a little bit. Yeah. And I think a lot of what they were, you know, they were trying to do was their offense was predicated on us switching. And then we would come out and not switch everything. And it just kind of threw them for a loop. And, and um, I think we really disrupted a lot. But the thing is, with our defense, you know, I mean, it's been great. We've we've made people struggle from the three-point line, which we held Duke to, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't see the box score that yeah, well. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Go ahead. Below, below 30% from the three-point line, right? That's right. Tw- for the game, they were 26%. In the first half, they were three of eight, which was pretty good. But in the second half pack, Duke shot just two of 11 from deep. We will take that. Let me also mention that Kyle Filipowski himself was just one of six. That was critical. And see, on the season, they've been shooting 39%. So what we were able to do, you know, as far as slowing them down from the three-point line was great. But And I know we'll get into some more of this, but just the way we finished possessions with rebounds, I thought we did a really nice job there. And so these guys were locked in getting after it defensively today. And you love to see it. Okay, Pac, next thing, the third thing we want to talk about coming out is Carolina's transition game, which, wow, it was out and going after make or miss. It felt like I was watching a Roy Williams team, particularly in the first half of this game. I mean, Carolina. There, there was a play. Let me let me talk about one make in particular. I can't. Re- I think it was. Um, it wasn't McCain. Uh, what's their What's their other freshman guard that comes in to spell Roach? Forgive me. Uh, but Caleb Foster comes in, and I think he got a he got a bucket, but kind of spilled over uh, under the stanchion, and then Carolina was gone. And I think it, the result was a Seth Trimble layup on the other end. We're going to talk more about Trimble in a little bit, so let's not go too much into that right now. But just. Uh, Carolina's transition game in particular was phenomenal. Uh, it ends up Duke caught up a little bit with that. Carolina only led fast break 16 to 12 in the end, but man, 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 did they do a great job running? Yeah, there was a period of time there. The what stood out to me was the time that Kyle Filipowski is in the first half, he got a dunk and uh, he kind of wanted to hang on the rim a little bit. Yeah, and boy, did we get the ball out of the net. Gone. Armando was running the floor. Filipowski had to play catch up, and Baycott ended up getting good position, and we just ended up putting it in right there on top of him. And um, that stood out to me. But I'll tell you what, the announcer, he goes, Now that is Carolina basketball. And you know who that announcer is, and that's what makes it so beautiful. Exactly. And it made the made the little hairs on my arm stand up, man. Just beautiful basketball and people recognizing that is Carolina's brand right there. To be fair, I am a big Jay Billis fan. I think he does a great job uh, of being unbiased. I know I know people will disagree with that. I think he is a brilliant broadcaster, and I'm very thankful that he uh, is a college basketball guy. All right, Pac, last thing before we take our, uh, our break is I want to talk about the bench. Um, Carolina leads the bench points 14 to 6. Uh, and, and anytime you can get out and, and have that, it is great stuff. The key off the bench. And for me, the biggest X factor in this game, maybe outside of Harrison's three point shooting, 
is Seth Trimble. Yes, absolutely. Ten points. Um, but not just what he attributed offensively, uh, what he did defensively. You know, I think there was a period of time there early when Roach was kind of getting hot and he was getting involved more than what I wanted to see. Uh, <laughs> and Trimble kind of came in and slowed that down. He and he just, man, he he makes such an impact. And, um, you know, I felt like tonight, though, I mean, not to talk about any negative, but it felt like tonight was like – No, no, no. Let's talk about negative because we still need to critique. That's great. Yeah, I just I was just going to say it felt like the first time all year that Trimble missed the corner three. Like I feel like he's been on fire from the corner and it wasn't going tonight, but it didn't matter. He found ways to get to the rim and scored 10 points and affected the game in a massive way on the defensive end. Well, and I thought his um, contributions, as you said, beyond just scoring were really important because one of the things that concerned me early in the second half thinking about critiques – is it was clear that Duke was dedicated to doubling Mondo and using Elliot Cadeau's guide to do so, daring Elliot to shoot. And that rendered him pretty ineffective for a, a stretch of the second half. And so Coach Davis countered with Seth, who's, you know, shot better from three this year and is obviously shooting better than Elliot. Um, but I, I just thought that was interesting that um, Elliot was kind of played off the court there for a little bit because of that ineffectiveness with his shot. That at some point is going to have to change for Carolina to get to their ceiling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know that on the head. Pack, uh, the, the other good thing is it wasn't just Seth off the bench. Everyone that played in this game, which was eight players, by the way, and look, we we love the contributions um, that everyone brings when they come in. It's great to see Zayden High. It's great to see Paxson Wojcik. But for this team this year, when it's coming down to it, it's going to be these eight guys, the starters plus Seth and the Jalens. And all eight of them scored in this game. It wasn't much for either Jalen. They only had uh, two buckets. Jalen Washington had one. And then Jalen Withers hit two critical free throws early in the second half to push the lead to 13 for the first time. That, that was when Carolina really got it out. And so just good contributions from all of those guys. All right, Pac, we got a lot more great stuff we want to talk about. But before we do that, we need to talk a little bit about our good friends at FanDuel. Hey, happy Super Bowl to everyone who celebrates. Coming at you from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like us, Super Bowl Sunday, which is just like eight days away, that's crazy, is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Right now, 49ers are favored by two and a half. Give me, look, Mahomes is an underdog. That's like free money pack. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but they've also got bets like which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Pack, let's get right back into it. I've been refreshing Ken Palm to see if it will update. It has not yet, so we're still waiting on that. But uh, Pat Kilby, Isaac Shade here with you, celebrating Carolina's 93-84 victory over Duke, getting back in the win column after the loss to Georgia Tech earlier this week, and reclaiming that two-game cushion in the ACC. That's critical. A big factor in that, Pack. we got four more things we want to hit on right now. The first of which is the turnover game. Pack, so why don't, uh, Pack, why don't you talk to us about Carolina's turnovers, or thankfully, lack thereof? 
Yes, that's the key, lack thereof. And, you know, we talked about that on the Friday podcast, about that being a big uh, point of emphasis, especially in the first half was the early turnovers. And we only had one first half turnover, finished the game with five total. And that was massive. The opposite side, Duke had 11 turnovers, and uh, we had 19 points off of that. And so, uh, obviously, that's a major, major factor in the game. And the thing is, I, I credit a lot of it to our defense, man, and just mm. the way we, we had great ball pressure, forced a couple, uh, you know, just errant throws. And and even a couple times, man, I'll tell you what, just the, the energy and effort for loose balls. Like, we got deflections or – Maybe a bad pass was up for grabs, and every time Carolina was the ones that came up with it. Yeah, and that that to me was a, a major major difference maker for us. And it felt like a lot of those resulted in I say a lot I, two I can remember in particular. One I think resulted in an Ingram three, and I think the other resulted in a Cormac Ryan three. Like you know we we talked about that one pitch ahead where Ingram somehow got that rebound, tipped it to himself, got on the floor, got it out. There was another one when um, I, I can't remember the score of the situation, but it was in the second half and multiple Carolina guys tipped it out. It ultimately came to Elliot Cadeau and then he found Cormac Ryan like just wide open in the corner and Carolina hit a three there. So great stuff. Carolina had fewer turnovers in the entire game than Duke did. Um, uh, excuse, yes, than Duke did in the first half. Carolina had five turnovers. Duke had six in the first half, 19 to seven points off turnovers. That is incredible stuff. And I know that the first half turnover issues have been on the road, but you just like to see that cut back down like Carolina did. Pack, another thing that we're always watching for is rebounding. This was much closer, but Carolina did still win the rebounding battle, but oh, ever so very close in that battle. Why don't you talk about the rebounding? Yeah, rebounding I thought was... Uh... You know, I thought going into it was going to be a much bigger factor than I guess it ended up being. Uh, Carolina won that battle 35 to 34, so we narrowly won. We won by one. Uh, but where I think we really got them is, and once again, this isn't a huge margin, but we had nine offensive rebounds to their seven. Yeah. And, I mean, just it felt like our offensive rebounds were big. You know, it felt like we converted a lot of them into points or free throw attempts and um so I think, you know, the way we the way we ended up turning that into to points for us was big. Uh, and then 26 defensive rebounds for us to their 27. So, uh, you know, honestly, for as fast paced of a game as that was, that's no. not as many rebounds as I expected. No, for either team. no. Uh, but but Carolina was pretty efficient offensively, I felt, and um, ended up taking care of business on the boards. Yeah, I can tell you how uh, if they were. Um, I was just looking at it a second ago. Carolina's points per possession was 1.329, which let me look at my graph real quick. Um, that is second best this season. You can probably guess which was the best game in points per possession this season. Oh, I'm so rattled from the game right now. <laughs> I'll just give it to you. It was the Tennessee game. Uh, oh. Carolina was 1.389 in that one. But look, second best points per possession all season. Um, and I think that was the factor that came in because, you know, we talked about the Carolina offense, the Duke defense, the Carolina defense, the Duke offense, the unit of those four that was, that was worst is the Duke defense. And it played out that way, Pac. That, that's how it played out. And then, the, you know, the, the two elite groups were the Carolina defense and the Duke offense. And frankly, I think 
Carolina won that battle. So uh, we'll take that very much. So interestingly, second chance points, Carolina ended up losing it 16 to 14. But pack in the first half, as Carolina built that critical 10-point lead, they won first half um, second chance points 14 to 6. And once they'd established that, it was kind of all over. You know, Carolina just maintained that threshold than the rest of the game. Pack, another critical thing that we were concerned about uh, that, that you and I talked about on the Friday show was potential foul trouble for the Tar Heels. Particularly, we were concerned about Armando Baycott and how he would do against Kyle Filipowski. We we remembered back to uh, what happened to Armando as he tried to guard Paolo Bancaro two years ago. That didn't go well. And then also we were concerned about Elliot Cadeau's foul trouble, um, particularly as he was going to be guarding a more experienced Duke backcourt. But Pat, you want to know what actually happened in fouls? Elliot had Elliot had three. Armando had two. But oh, by the way, on the other end. Now, this this racked up a little bit as Duke was fouling down the stretch, but still, hear me out. Flip, Kyle Filipowski had four, and it was Jeremy Roach that had four. Not, not either of our guys. And Tyrese Proctor finished with three, but he picked up that third one like a minute and a half into the second half. So all of these dudes are having to play a little bit more reticent. Like Jeremy Roach picked up his second foul, uh, you know, with still several minutes left in the first half. And so it was actually Carolina that was able to defend without fouling. And I thought that played a critical role in this game as well, as Carolina went to the free throw line 25 times while Duke went only 11. Yeah, and, and that was a point I was going to bring up was the amount of free throws that we shot versus what they shot. And in particular in the first half, like when we were mounting that lead, it was, um, I don't know what we shot in the first half, but they shot zero. <laughs> and that was that's big time. Playing defense without fouling is is big time, and being able to keep our guys on the floor, you know, I mean, yes. just the way that that pays dividends for us. And um, man, they just did a fantastic job of that tonight. Yeah. And and it's not easy, you know. Kyle, we talked about this. Kyle yeah. Filipowski is not easy to guard. He's so wiry, and he moves, and he spins, and he bangs and bumps, and it's easy to pick up fouls guarding somebody like that. And Baycott just did a really, really good job. He absolutely did. And Pac, to your point, you're absolutely right. Duke had zero free throw attempts in the first half. Carolina had nine, although they only made five of them. They were, it was kind of shaky again, but wound up um, at the end. I think they were 18 of 25 when everything was said and done. Yeah, that's right. 72%. So just slightly below their season average. And it was weird. Once again, RJ missed one. Cormac Ryan missed at least one. Maybe he had two. I can't remember. I think Cormac had two missed in this game. So Carolina falling off a little bit in free throw shooting lately. So they're going to need to tighten that up. Pack one more thing we wanted to hit on, and then we'll get to uh, the chat and the questions and comments in there was the assist game. Carolina finishes 18 assists on 33 made baskets. But Pack, what was really impressive to me is that it was spread all around. Every starter had at least one assist, but four of the five had multiple. We already said it, but Harrison had five assists and um, RJ Davis had five assists, zero turnovers for RJ, by the way. That's a great assist to turnover ratio. And then Cormac had two, Elliot had three. Um, and then Seth Trimble himself had two assists, zero turnovers off the bench. So we, when you com combine that with what we talked about earlier, just five turnovers, but assisting on 18 of 33, which let me do some quick math here. That's a 54.5% assist ratio. Pac, what do you think about how Carolina shared the ball? 
Man, I thought they shared it really well. I mean, there's no secret now at this point. Our chemistry is is for real. And Boy. there's just a lot of camaraderie on this team. And, man, they just play with so much togetherness. And um, that was obviously very evident tonight. 18 assists on 33 made baskets is, is big time. But what stood out to me was, you know, the way Duke was defending and the way that they were having to double off on Baycott mm. and try to get the ball out of his hands. He just – he made the right read. Every time he was patient with the ball, able to face up and put passes on the money and, and give Carolina opportunities to score. And that made a huge, huge difference for us. It did. I love it. Um, real quick, before we head to our um, checking out the chat and getting some questions and comments there, Pat Ken Palm has now updated and refreshed. The Tar Heels are seventh. I think they were seventh before this game, so they stay there. The offense climbs back into the top 20. They're now 18th. Defense actually fell a little bit down to 7th, but that's okay. Duke is 14th now in at Ken Palm. So, Pat, great stuff there. Let's get to all the questions and comments because you know there's going to be great stuff in there. Um, I had one that I just saw that I wanted to – oh, Shadow Computing asks – this is kind of a big-picture question that we won't know the answer to, unfortunately, until Monday – at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but Shadow Computing says, can this win keep us from falling in the AP poll? As we know, the Tar Heels right now are third in the AP poll. They lost on Tuesday to Georgia Tech. And so um, one of the truths of that um, is that it's going to really depend on what everyone around Carolina has done. Obviously, right now, as we're recording, Tennessee and Kentucky are playing. That's uh, a critical matchup right now. Uh, Tennessee's up five. Uh, with 115 left in the first half. So that that's going to play a factor. UConn won. Purdue plays tomorrow uh, at uh, uh, at Wisconsin. So that's a critical matchup. So um, even if Carolina does fall, let me put it this way. I don't see them falling out of the top five because of Wisconsin's loss on Thursday night. Um, and other things, because of Houston getting blasted by Kansas today, Pack. That was ridiculous. So I, I wouldn't be like Carolina might fall, but they really could just hang right where they are. But I don't see them falling out of the top five pack. Is that what, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you. I, uh, I th- you know, obviously Houston lost to Kansas today. And so uh, that I think I think that keeps us in the top five. Um, yeah. You know, and this win against Duke is a massive one. So I think that's enough to cover up the loss against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that the voters, you know, this is not a computer model for the AP voting. And so the the voters are going to love this win. And especially, look, I, I had predicted a 72 to 70 victory for Carolina in this one. Missed it by a little bit because not only did uh, Carolina score infinitely more than that, but they covered in a big way. And it's one of those where my heart just needed to predict a lower score and a lower margin. But Carolina covers the spread and you love to see that. So that's helpful in all the computer models as well. And so, yeah, I, I think Carolina is in good shape there. Um, Pat. Oh, and, and the other thing I want to say about um, what this win does, let me mention this. E- even though Carolina lost to Georgia tech because of Wisconsin had kind of switched places with Carolina on the one line for the NCAA tournament, Carolina had fallen back to a two, but with Wisconsin's loss, when things refreshed on Friday, most bracketologists had Carolina back on the one line. And Joe Lenardi said in his pre pre like early Saturday stuff 
that Carolina had a tenuous hold on that fourth one seed, but a win today would help them. It certainly does, but you know who the uh, the third one seed was, was Houston. So Houston's lost Carolina's win. Tar Heels um, should also still be in one seed consideration. Uh, I just want to shout out the creator classroom here who says, I love the 6.30 starts because after, when I'm still amped, it's not 11 p.m. Yeah. I'm right with you. Also, for what it's worth, I wish the national championship game started earlier. The tip is usually like 9 p.m. And there's no reason for that pack. We got to scoot that back. Anyway, I just saw that and, and wanted to make sure to point that out. Packed. Uh, let's keep scrolling through here and see what we can do. Um, Emily Von Pocky, our good friend from the Locked on Tar Heels Discord. By the way, if you're not part of that, you need to make sure that you join the Locked on Tar Heels Discord. But pack Emily says, Baycott shut flip down. We've talked about the fouls. We've talked about all the other stuff. But one of the big things I just wanted to watch for in general is I thought it was critical. Whoever won the flip Baycott matchup would probably win this game. Now, look, flip got 22 points. But as we said earlier, needed 17 shots to get there. One of six from the field only had uh, five rebounds. Ellie or uh, Armando wins this battle pack. How critical was him doing so to this victory? Well, it was obviously massive. Um, what I thought, what I took away from it was, was that Baycott made Flip really struggle. And, mm -hmm. and uh, he Pack made him force the issue a lot. And Baycott yeah. was able to frustrate him a lot. So, Yeah, yeah. You could tell he was, like, Flip is... <laughs> He's a little bit of a whiner pack, you know, like it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's not good. I just, he, he gets a little frustrated. I thought Carolina was in his head some, and frankly, I love to see it. I love to see it pack. I think you're cutting in and out a little bit. You might have to try uh, signing out and hopping back in or something. Oh, you're good now. Okay. I think you're good now. You're, you're moving better. Um, look, Ted Aldridge says RJ is a tough little nut. Let's get our tough little nut of the game. Roy Williams somewhere is smiling and proud. Um, man, RJ, what an elbow he took from um, uh, from Seth Trimble there coming down trying to block that shot. And, Pac, that was a moment where Carolina could have got out of sorts. How many times have we seen a Duke team just mount a furious comeback in the closing minutes or seconds of a game, and every time they made a push – Carolina responded. I thought that was critical down the stretch. And in this moment where the refs came back and called a hook and hold, I love that Rod we heard Roger Ayers on the broadcast say, look, I'm about to get booed, but we've upgraded this to a hook and hold. That was hilarious. Um, and so Flip got two free throws and Duke got the ball out of that. Carolina was up nine prior to the free throws. It was 88 um, to 79. So nine point lead flip misses the first one ball. Don't lie. He made the second one, eight point lead. And then Duke turns it over on the inbound pass. My man, the ball really, really don't lie. Say a little bit pack. If you will, what I, what I want to come off of this is talking about Carolina's uh, veteran leadership, able to close a game and not letting Duke make a push. Yeah, yeah, our leadership was was fantastic. And it's like you said, every time we needed to answer, we answered. And I mean, that just says so much about the the veteranness of this team, but also kind of the togetherness. They they weren't rattled and and that was awesome. And I think a lot of that too 
I'll just give give credit to the crowd in the DDC. No, I mean, they they were fantastic. They Absolutely. were the, the energy was awesome. But every time the team they didn't need many, but every time they needed to pick me up or some energy, the crowd was right there, man. It was awesome. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Pack, I want to give you a chance to talk about this a little more. You hit on it earlier, but M Barnes915 says after tonight, UNC should be confident that when teams take away RJ, they have a good enough team to overcome that. Let me put it in this frame. Tuesday night against Georgia Tech, it, the offense was R.J. Davis, and no other Tar Heel was in double figures. What an important way to rebound uh, for the offense tonight. Pack, I, I know you hit on it earlier, but can you take say some more about Duke doing what they needed to, and, and they did a great job uh, taking away R.J., but then, my goodness, a, a bunch of other Tar Heels rising to the occasion. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's two types of game plans we're going to see. We're going to see what we saw tonight, and teams are going to try to take RJ out. And then we're going to see some more of what Georgia Tech did, where they say, you know what, RJ, you can go get 40 if you want. We're going to try to take away everybody else and and make you play one on one and isolate you. And so um, I think you know tonight was one of those things where we, you know, I, the Georgia Tech game was more of a one off. Where versus tonight, where I think this is more traditionally who we are. That's a good uh, word. It was, it was just pick your poison. Okay, take away RJ. All right, then Harrison's going to have a game. Armando's going to have a game. Now teams are going to have to say, well, golly, Harrison went five of nine from three. Let's try to take him away. Well, that opens up Cormac, or that opens up Elliot Cadeau to get to the rim more, or you know whatever it may be. And so I just think this team is so versatile. And has so many weapons and so many different ways that they can score. Yeah, yeah. And different skill sets they can go to that make us very dangerous to guard. That's a good word. I want to go to this one from Michael Holbrook. We've talked about the players so much. We have not talked much about the coaching. Michael says Coach Davis was at his best tonight, calling great plays, getting the ball in the right hands at the right times, and Keeping Cadeau calm down when he started to freak out. Kid hates mistakes. Let me just say something about Elliot. I I really appreciate how frustrated he gets when he screws up. You can see his passion, how much he cares, how much he wants to do the right thing. But Pat, before you talk about just Coach Davis overall, talk about how critically important it was for him to get his arm around Elliot after he fouled McCain on that three-point shot and just, just talk to Elliot calm him down, say, look, you're fine, move on, next play. Talk about that, and then give, give us the overall, your, your thoughts on the job he did coaching tonight. Yeah. Well, first let me say that was not a foul on that three-point shooter. You, I would have reacted the same way that Elliott did. But I've, I felt like he was too far into him, didn't give him enough space to land. Do, do you disagree with that? Yeah, because I felt like Elliott – I, I didn't think he left the ground at all. He had established his position in the ground. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the kid, when he landed, his feet went into Elliott's. And it's like, I get that. You've got to give a room to land. But shooters also have to go straight up and down. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see where it gets called. It gets called all the time. I just don't always agree with it because I feel like shooters do that intentionally now. And I just hate the idea of rewarding that. But yeah. anyways, let's get to the other stuff. Coach Davis did a fantastic job tonight. Uh, first of all, with Rainey and Elliott, um, obviously being a freshman point guard, 21,000 people in the in the seats around you. Carolina Duke, you're the center of the sports world. You're going to have to do some of that. You're going to have to rein them in and calm them down. Coach Davis knew that, and he did a great job of it. Uh, but like 
Michael says here in this in this thing, Coach Davis wasn't his best tonight, man. That dude, I've said this before, but he is like I kind of you know relate him to an offensive coordinator in football. He just he's got so much stuff in his bag, and uh, he's very very timely at when he calls what he calls. Hmm. And I, I just I think he did a fantastic job. And I also don't want to. Um, forget to mention what coach Sullivan and coach Frederick do with the defense. Um, those guys have had us playing some really, really good defense. Good um, they pick up on tendencies and, and uh, get things mixed up that, that keep other teams on their toes a little bit. And so yeah. just a great, great job by the coaching staff. I love this. Right when it was time to go live, several people were like, Hey, let's get going. Shady, shady. And then creator classroom says, Isaac has to calm down from the excitement and brush his hair. Look, it, it's starting to grow back out, folks. If, if you're watching, you can see it. I'm ready. I'm ready for the curls to be back in full effect uh, from my summer shave. But that's why I got my my hat on. I did have to calm down a little bit. Uh, I was actually alone. My, my family was off at a, something else. And so it was a little bit nuts. Um, um, I want to get back to something else. Michael um, actually said a little bit later. I've lost it right now. Um, yes. Okay. Michael Holbrook, just another one from him said Cormac Ryan, who we haven't really talked about yet, pack delivered a special performance tonight, timely blocked shots, rebounds, and threes. Um, let me pack, just remind us of two specific moments that happened, both of which, um, to me showed Cormac being a veteran and trusting his game. His first three point attempt, I thought he rushed and he airballed it and it was not good literally Carolina's next possession. He got the ball in the exact same spot. No hesitation in rhythm drained it. That shows someone who just has veteran savvy. Then at the end of the game, he gets the inbound pass. He's tied up. I thought Carolina at the time had three timeouts. I went back and double checked. He should have used one of them. Like he should have known that as a veteran and been ready to, to utilize one of those three timeouts, but he allowed Duke to tie him up. And then Duke gets the ball back. At that point, the, the lead is still enough where you feel comfortable, but it's not. it was not a good, savvy play. But net, literally, Duke's ensuing possession. Jared McCain looks like he has a layup. Cormac Ryan comes from behind and blocks it. Two, two specific plays where Cormac makes up for a mistake and, and has that veteran goldfish mentality of getting right back to it. Uh, what, what did you think about Cormac's performance? Yeah, let me first start with your your first point about his three point shot. There, he airballed and came back and hit the next one. It's funny because uh, when I'm coaching my guys, I tell them, "If you want to be a shooter for me, you have to be a psycho." Wow, and they, <laughs> they always laugh at me, and, they, and they they're like, "What are you talking about, coach? Like, what what is this?" And I'm like, "No, seriously, you have to be psychotic. Every shot is a new shot. I don't care if you've hit the last four or missed the last thirty. If you can shoot it, shoot it." And that's what Cormac did. Uh, he, you know, he airballed the first one. He got the next one. He said, this one's going in. Yeah. He knocked it down. And I love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just, Cormac, he, he impacts the game in so many ways, man. Mm -hmm. Like his on-ball defense, the way he um, just leads with his emotion and his intensity, uh, picks his teammates up when they need it. The timely block shot, the rebounds, the, the two threes. Yeah, you know, he's just, he's so good. And he affects the game so many ways. Man, that's good. Um, just a just a uh, kind of insider trading question. Abraham Clafter asks, 
what does plus minus mean? It's a great question from Abraham because there might be other people who don't know this. So uh, for those watching, you can see it in the box score. It's the furthest thing on the right column. So in this game um, for Carolina, uh, for example, Elliot Cadeau was plus nine. Cormac Ryan actually, how about this? Cormac had the biggest uh, plus minus for Carolina at plus 10. Great stuff. Just another point to what you were just talking about, Pac. But um, Abraham, plus minus is just a showing of when that player is on the floor, how many points better or worse you are than the other team. So um, Cormac Ryan at plus 10 means that Carolina scored 10 more points than did Duke when he was on the floor. For example, let's take a Duke player um, who had the biggest. How about this? Hey, Pat, guess who had the biggest minus in this game? I don't know if you can tell it, see it or not. I can't. The the biggest minus for Duke? Yeah. Uh, I'll just I, tell you. I, I hope it's Jeremy Roach. but Oh, I'm, that's a good guess. Okay. But it's actual Kyle Filipowski. He had a minus 11. I'll take that all day. So, Abraham and others, that means when Kyle Filipowski was on the floor, Duke was 11 points worse than North Carolina. I like to look at it that way. Instead of saying Carolina was 11 points better, with Kyle Filipowski on the floor, Duke was 11 points worse than the Tar Heels. So great question, Abraham. There's there's probably others that were wondering that as well. Pac-Man, we've gone for a while. Now we're up over 40 minutes, and so we probably need to get out of here. I know there's other questions and observations that would be good to look at. But there's going to be a ton more that we can talk about on Monday's show. Folks, the Tar Heels have won round one. And I'll tell you what, what's so nice about this pack, and maybe this can be our final word, is that it just keeps meaning that, that it gives you some leeway later. Let's remember, had Duke won this game, these two teams would be tied in the loss column in the ACC standings with Carolina still having to go to Virginia, still having to go to Miami, still having to go to Duke, uh, still having to go to Syracuse. Instead, Carolina has given themselves some cushion down the stretch where now they are back to a two-game lead. And oh, by the way, hold all these tiebreakers. Hold the tiebreaker over Wake Forest. Hold a double tiebreaker over Florida State. Obviously, um, you still have to play NC State and Duke again. But right now, you have the tiebreaker over both of those schools. You guys, this is so, so, so helpful as Carolina starts the back half of ACC play 1-0. Nine regular season games left. Just keep winning the games that you need to win. Hold serve at home and keep clipping off a few on the road. Pack anything you want to say about that? Well, I, I, you, I think you nailed it on the head is just getting that cushion. But I will say I'll add this as a basketball coach. My initial thought is this was a huge game, a great win. We cannot have a letdown Tuesday when Clemson comes to town. Mm. And Ooh. it's an easy spot because they're coming off of a tough loss. So they're going to be motivated to win. We're coming off of a big win. So we might kind of be going through the motions a little bit. We've got to be locked in, ready to go Tuesday. Man, I tell you what, Clemson, I did, just did not think they would Clemson again this year. But here they are Clemsoning. And, folks, by the way, Virginia, who had struggled on the road earlier this year, man, they are making a push right now, Pack. They might be the third best team in the ACC right now. And I guess we shouldn't have expected anything different from um, Tony Bennett's team. But right now, the ACC standings, with obviously still action going on, is the Tar Heels are 10 and 1. Virginia is actually in second place right now. They and Duke both have three losses, but Virginia actually already has 
eight wins. Duke has seven. And then right behind is Florida State at six and three. And everyone else has four or more losses. So, Pac, um, regardless of Carolina's ability to go ahead and win the regular season, they've, I mean, it is going to be hard pressed for them to fall out of a top four seed and a double bye in the ACC tournament coming up. And that is great, great news for the Tar Heels. You guys celebrate hard. It's a great night. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We're going to get back at it early this week. And in fact, because of Pac's schedule, he's going to be on Tuesday's show with me, previewing uh, the Clemson game with me. And then um, that night after Clemson, we'll do another one of these. Make sure you are tuned in and ready to go. If you're not already part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord channel, come join us. It's free and it's awesome. We have a blast hanging out in there. Please, if you haven't subscribed to the show on video and audio, smash the like button so we know that you are here if you're watching. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk again on Monday, but until then, woo! Peace!